1: This is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Hi, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These
2: guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans, that's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Thanks.
0: Welcome to the September 1st edition of One Nation Radio here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. I am your host Rich Ladd, of course, here with my co-host James Boyd. James, what's going on, man?
2: Not too much. Just saw a lot of wrestling yesterday. A lot of good wrestling, too.
0: Yes. And joining us from the com, a longtime guest of One Nation Radio, Mr. Chad Matthews, the Doc. What's going on, Chad?
1: Not much, man. Trying to recover from a lot Of wrestling and football, watch it yesterday. I didn't sleep that well the night before. I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. So uh, I'm excited to talk about this show because it'll get my adrenaline back up. Then I'll crash in a couple of hours. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man.
0: Uh, Originally, we were going to do this thing like later, but we're, you know. Circumstances change and we're here about five hours earlier than normal. So um yeah, man, we watched lots of wrestling today, uh yesterday, excuse me. Uh in addition to All Out, which was, you know, the marquee event of the uh day. Uh before that it was NXT UK and before that it was uh New Japan Royal Quest. So <laughs> real quick before we get into the All Out review, which is, you know, kind of what we um uh came here for Walter versus Tyler Bate. My God. Um, a match that stands up with the best of the year in any promotion. Uh, I went ahead and slapped 5.5 on this one myself. And I think that this was just... This was a statement. It was a message. And it was a hell of a match between... like You know... Like, you know... Like a guy in Tyler Bate who's as young as anybody and as good as anybody in the world, and then Walter's, he's fucking Walter. Uh, Chad, did you happen to catch this match?
1: (laughs) I did, I did. I made it a point to make sure that I saw that one. I didn't catch the entirety of TakeOver Cardiff, but I made sure to watch that. And I'll tell you what, man, there's been few matches that I've watched in a long time that were as long as this match, but that didn't feel like it that was one of my major takeaways from it is that uh, how long was it do you have an official clock in time on that sucker
0: while you guys go ahead I will find the uh numbers on that
1: I'm thinking 40
0: minutes
2: um, I' a next team it's a takeover main event so probably big <laughs> go over well over 30 uh I am um, I love the match it's one of the best matches of the year um is one of my five favorite matches of the year regardless of outside of you know what I think uh other people's personal opinions or how well it was structurally put together is one of my five-year matches of the year. Um, Walter, I, you know, there's a lot of wrestling out there. Unfortunately, I do not get around to NXT UK as much as I should. But um, between the, the main event, in, or sorry, the uh, semi-main event in New York for TakeOver New York and, and this, like Walter is, has had two absolute war type of bangers that are just simplistic and brutal and easily, easily, so easy to just grab you by the neck and say, "Pay attention to me." So um, I, I love what he's done in on these big matches. Like I, I, I wonder what he's doing on, um, on the actual show when it comes to defenses and stuff because these matches are so brutal. It's almost like he should be squash dudes until it's time for the money matches.
0: <laughs> so that match went forty-two minutes and twelve seconds. Um, you Didn't know, feel like it, it though. It, nope, yep. Didn't did not feel
1: like it. And, and there's it just, a guard trap. I was just going to say, there's kind of a natural dichotomy to me. If you look at NXT UK, the dichotomy is between Pete Dunn and Tyler Bate. And I think of it as in a similar terms as Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart back in the day. <laughs> Tyler Bate being Shawn Michaels. And I always really enjoyed watching Bret Hart against a bigger guy, uh, putting him in that underdog role. But I always preferred seeing Shawn Michaels in that role and to me Tyler Bate took what they started and take over to New York with with Pete Dunne and just took it to a whole different level. I mean it was to me that caliber, that kind of style that they wrestled. Whew, that's that's one of the best matches that I've seen in a while. Not just this year, but in quite a while.
0: Yeah, um it was funny because at the end of the match when Pete Dunne and um, Trent Seven got in there with him, I was like, nah, man, I don't, I don't need to see um, Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne helping each other up. Like that's Bre- I don't want to see Bret Hart helping Shawn Michaels up. Uh, I, I made a joke on the spot like that as well. So um, that dichotomy, that's spot on uh, with those guys. But yeah, this was, this was a war. Go out of your way. Uh, bend over backwards to go see this if you have not seen it. So carve out an hour yeah. and figure it out so
2: yeah one of the best match of the weekend in my opinion and honestly i mean it's it's one of the best matches of the year all in all the wrestling that i've that i've seen it's i mean it sticks up with the best of the ishi stuff the best of you know the final of the super juniors the the main event of wrestle kingdom it's it it's on par with that level of stuff It's, it's it was incredible match
0: um, what else? was there? Anything else on the uh, t- uh, UK show, James? Because you paid a l- little bit more attention, than I did, and I was taking
2: yes. some beats. Uh, the triple, the triple threat tag match. Uh, that match was incredible. It was very much, and somehow Andrews and and, uh, and Morgan Webster have turned themselves into a makeshift DIY. They 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 pretty much if if for those that may remember or not, like uh, but for me anyway, the first time I ever saw a DIY together was. Uh, Brooklyn two, and they proceed to put on uh, two or th- probably like two or three near falls that would have been perfect classic. This is all time great finish that they kicked out of, and you're just like these dudes are geniuses. Um, the four people there in the ring, um, they managed to do that with D- or with M- Andrews and Morgan Webster, uh, and eventually end up winning. It was it was incredible. I'm sorry, they didn't, uh, it, it was it was incredible. So um, I. It was, it was really fun because uh, Gallus was in there, and Gallus had no, got no reaction, little to no reaction. Um, Drake and the Grizzly Young Vest—they got a little to no reaction. It was basically built around: we want the baby, fa- the white baby faces to win, and we pop big for them. And then if it looks like they're about to lose, we, you know, they reacted um, in a similar fashion, the opposite reaction. And it was great. So uh, that match would have would have gotten a four point five. It met, stacks up with any other. Um, on the Street of era stuff that they did over the last you know uh year and a half um on takeovers um i enjoyed the Mastiff stuff um but you know it, it's it's the last man standing match is the last man standing match um cesaro the cesaro uh knife match that is probably a four flats um match uh it really picks up at the end especially um yeah tony storm match i, I feel like it was on par with the caroshiida and in um rio match it would probably told a it probably was a more uh physical bout actually so yeah i mean it was overall like that was a very good takeover show
0: Tight work man uh no no mention of noam dar i, I mentioned so
2: they <laughs> yeah. they they had a good match i mean it's, they, there was nothing bad on the takeover
0: show gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, Yeah, man. So uh, let's do what uh, we came here for. So all out. uh, AEW with their second pay-per-view. Last one before the TV. We have a new champion established. We have um, some storylines coming out of this. Overall, Chad, uh, what were your thoughts on that? I caught a couple of your social media posts. Be interested to uh, hear extended thoughts on that. I actually haven't got to the Doc Says yet today.
1: Well... I thought it was an awesome show from a from an in-ring standpoint. I thought it was really good. The first hour and a half, I was just blown away by. I loved it. I think SCU, just, they just have the, the magic sauce when it comes to opening matches in this day and age. It, they don't overstay their welcome, but they're just action-packed and innovative. And what they did with Luchasaurus and, and, and Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt was a blast. And then Kenny Omega and Pack. Followed up by the the Cracker Barrel Clash, which I would be happy to see them be, bring back every year, every year, or, <laughs> or every pay per view for that matter, that kind of stuff. I know it's it can be difficult to watch and it makes some people uncomfortable, but I, I'm not one of those people who's made uncomfortable by it to the by it to the point of being offended by anything that they do. I mean, if that's what they want to do, you know, it's a different stylistic type deal, and I enjoy the heck out of it. So. That, to that point in the show, I was like, man, this is great. I'm uh, loving it. And then as the back end of the show took place, my feelings got a little bit more mixed. All in all, I had a blast with it. I thought it was a lot of fun. But I was god-awfully dog-tired by the time that main event ended. And so I think we got a lot out of this from an in-ring standpoint. I think we got a legitimate match of the year candidate out of it and one of the greatest stunt brawl ladder matches I've ever seen in the Young Bucks and the Lucha Brothers. I mean, that was... Insane. If there is a ladder match out there that has uh, that that earns the title of being more insane than that, then point me to it because I've not seen it. <laughs> Beyond that, I think there's a difference between what they accomplished in the ring and what they accomplished as a product, and I'm a little bit less excited about what they accomplished as a product than I am as what they accomplished in the ring. If that makes sense.
2: Totally, James. I thought that the show at the beginning was great. I thought that at the end it was very good and somewhere in the middle, um, probably after once we got the evil Uno stuff and the, or sorry, uh, or, I forgot Dark Order. Dark Order the Dark yeah. Order and the, also the um the uh the car and uh reho match, I thought that that was like the point where it's like, Okay, uh due to the car placement, um you, you kinda set them up to uh, to kinda die on the vine there. But uh, none, nothing was bad on on the show. Um, I would say every, I would actually say everything was good on the show. It's just um, I feel like they're in a weird spot to where they're they're trying to have it both ways. Like they're trying to either you know with the last three matches being like the th- three of the four biggest matches and also putting Co- uh, the Kenny and Pac match on. Actually, as Pac as we found out today or, or last night, but um, um, putting that second like you kind of have tried to you know goose it to where like you're trying to be half New Japan. The way you lay out a card in half WWE where you try to spread out the all of the top matches. Um and I feel like you can't you can't do it halfway, either in all in one way or the other. So uh they need to, you know, kinda of figure that out because it kind of <clears throat> the, the the match out of the cards made it to where it was less enjoyable. So, um they kinda try to kinda gotta go back to the drum board to figure out what their identity really is. So I
0: I had a feeling on uh, this show. I thought that the way that, like, because when it when it, when it ended, I was like, I feel like this was a better card, uh, like watching it than Double or Nothing. And then you know, I thought I was like, what, what did what made Double or Nothing so special? Because if you think about when Double or Nothing happened, we had NXT TakeOver 25, which I think, you know, kicked its ass in the ring, like, uh, but it didn't have that feeling. And, uh, you know, in Double or Nothing, they were going to only get that feeling, that that new car smell that one time. And it's going to be hard to, like, um, consistently maintain that. Uh, and I think, you know, as as they've gone on through their, their other shows, it's like, okay, yeah, now it's it's less about this history-making moment and it's more like, all right, Can we just deliver? And I thought just as a straightforward wrestling show, like, it's kicked ass. So, (laughs) um... But, yeah, I guess we can uh, go through. We can start at the pre-show because the pre-show was notable, actually. (laughs) Um, We had a couple uh, different things happen. We had uh, the Women's Battle Royal, Nyla Rose emerging victorious, uh, along with the entries of several of uh, James and I's favorite wrestlers from uh, the (laughs) Women's Independence. I lost my mind when uh, Mercedes Martinez came out at number 21. My only wish is that we could get her WWE theme music imported uh, here so I could (laughs) have fully lost it, but um, Nicole Savoy was there. Uh, Of course, we had, um, you know, uh, what was her name? Um, Tennille Dashwood. We had, you know, lots of folks in there. B. Priestley. Uh, What did you you guys make of the uh, Battle Royal?
2: Go ahead, Chad.
1: I'm going to defer to you guys on this, man. I mean, this is sort of a conscious choice that I've had to make with shows like uh, that AEW is putting out there is somewhere there's got to be a step back because I can't I don't have the attention span these days for five hours. Gotcha. I, I voluntarily decided to just kind of half ass glance at it from time to time while I was helping put the kids to bed and entertain a guest. And so I can't really speak critically on it at all because I really didn't pay that close of attention to it. And what I did seemed like it was fun and maybe a little bit better produced than the original match of this type that they did a couple of months ago. But beyond that, I don't really have a whole lot to add on this part of the conversation.
2: James? Yeah, okay, so uh, before the show started, uh, or the leading up to the show uh, the week before, I, I said to myself, okay, uh, or I said to, I think, Rich and a few other people that um, if they maybe fail to make... It was on the show.
0: I, I think. I think you said like the, the, pretty much everyone that um, that we wanted, like <laughs> essentially well, they, they ended up getting.
2: Well, yeah. Well, real quick, I was just I was saying like if they if this if this uh, setup or the way they they've they've arranged this battle royal fails in a way that it did with the men um, at. Double or nothing, then they probably just scrap this idea and just move on from the whole concept entirely. I mean, just move on. So, um, it turned out that there actually was something to do well out of this. Um, and and they they figured this out. Um, so you know, I'm not, you know, as bad. i I thought it was a good, I thought it was good overall. Um, they, they had people that that weren't ready and were green. They had they did a good job of highlighting what they can do and then showing and then trying to hide what they can't do, which is a point of you know, booking. Right. Uh, so from that perspective, I thought it was a cess. uh, I, I, you know, the winner was perfectly fine. Uh, I'm now more concerned about the winner now that I know who was the winner, uh, of the, of the women's match. Uh, cause I, I thought it was cool for either one of them to be in the match but both of them. It doesn't really make much sense to me that they're both going to be in that match, but whatever. Um, but generally I, I you know, we talked about that last week, as far as like pretty much most of the people that we thought were on the American Independence or just around um, that were people that that have value or are people that are very good wrestlers. They pretty much all um, got got into this thing, so um, it is it, it's, it's cool to see as opposed to them just like importing a bunch of um, wrestlers from Japan. Which is, I mean, there's look, there are a bunch of joshi's. There you, there are so many high quality joshi's that it, it's incredible. But uh, you can you can hire the entire women's WWE women's roster five times over with that level of talent four times probably but um, but you have to deal with people that you know and also the, the promo stuff so I'm glad that they brought in you know the best of the the best of what we had on our on our own country to to, to try to get this to work and you know with people that and they also use people that WWE has also kind of seen and highlighted but they don't have much of a use for them for whatever reason which is a, a total seems to be a, a totally uh aesthetic choice so i'm I'm glad they're really leaning into we want the talent we're gonna give a damn about the other stuff the mm-hmm. other bs stuff
0: right uh so with with nyla rose getting the big win of course or you know there's a um you know she's gonna be facing Reho, um, you know, we'll get to that later uh, on, and that was a shock, and it kind of blew up all the um, you know, Britt Baker, Britt Baker's on all the posters theories uh, that were out there and everything like that. Um, looks like you know the the women's division is very deep. If they can retain at least half of the people that they you know brought in just for the battle royal, I think we're looking at a very like a strength um, you know, in AEW. But um, moving on from that. Private Party versus Angelico and Jack Evans and this was Rich Lattice Pro Wrestling. This was fast paced flips. This was uh people going out and making themselves stars. This was uh, you know, the previous, you know, work from Private Party and uh, Angelico and Jack Evans uh coming to fruition, you know, carrying in that credibility and people were excited to see them. And I thought this blew the doors off uh the best friends Dark Order match.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. It I mean there it, it does say something for um the lack of over that the uh, dark order is because it's, you know, a lot of people just haven't connected to it. Um and we and we we talked about that in previous shows, but um they pretty much went out there and did a, you know, a version of some type of version of Two four athletic people going just doing almost almost everything they possibly can to entertain you between Evans and on and and um Isaiah and Mark and I, I thought it was a great match and for the people that you know that that have seen them before and you know have, have talked about how polished they are or not as wrestlers, from a person that's watched a shit ton of wrestling, um to me. Either the person that produced that thing needs needs to be needs to do all the matches, or <laughs> like these people, you know, uh, have have stepped up their game um, loads and you know since the last time. A lot of people that are critics like Meltzer or whatever have, have seen them because they know they can do pretty much anything.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I I don't know, you know, what these dudes are missing to. <laughs>
2: you know <laughs> i mean look people come up people always improve that's what happens yeah. when you get in the ring with, with better wrestlers and stuff and you work more dates and everything right like we we talked about it with um especially with uh why why we think you know our our joshi wrestlers are better than our, a lot of our american women is they get more dates and they wrestle more talented people right and they also train a lot more so like that but that that so that all comes into play just we don't see what goes on behind. We don't know how to have the you know. We don't know how the slash is made. So we're only going off what our eyes tell us, and our eyes told us like these dudes either have improved greatly or somebody just made a bad you know judgment or bad uh, identification of what what they can do.
0: And this AEW tag team division, you know, we got a surprise later on. Uh, Josh has mentioned from keeping the strong style. So he thinks it's the most talented tag team division that's ever been put together in one company at any time. Like one through whatever, um, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever rank you want to do. So uh, I'm interested to see, you know, that the tag team tournament, you got Young Bucks and Private Party around one, week two. Uh, I suggest everyone check that out. I love their match from House of Glory. So, um, but on to the main card so we can get Chad back in on this thing. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, man. So we opened up uh, with the hot six-man opener, Uh, two fan-favorite teams, the newly named Jurassic Express. Uh, The fans did not, you know, Go up in uproar about that name, uh, which was a uh, awesome sign, um, and also um, uh, SCU, of course, the folks that should open every show for AEW for like the next five years or as long as Christopher Daniels can stand up. And uh, whenever I see Christopher Daniels come out to the ring, just bopping left and right, like I just start dying laughing, like it's the funniest thing in the world. Uh, Chad, I'm gonna throw it to you first. Um, th- should AEW get a trios division? Like, because these things are like, you know, these things are awesome right here.
1: They are, and they, you know, with what happened later on in the show with Orange Cassidy joining the best friends, you're starting to put together some 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 tight knit little trios factions, and they they even the commentators even used that expression at one point. So I'm all for it. I mean, they've got a very deep tag team division. So it, it makes sense to me to, to utilize that as much as you can, because one of the things I take away from my initial impressions of this brand is that, for the time being, its strength is its tag team division. I, I personally, I'm, I'm of the opinion, and we'll get into this more later, that the women's division is fine. It's got a lot of depth of talent, but it doesn't have a lot of stars yet, and, and stars are what really make that division and push it to the forefront. It doesn't have those yet. And the main event division's got a lot of potential pieces, but it's not all gelling together yet. Everything seems to be gelling together with the tag team division. So that seems to be the thing that's going to draw a lot of fans in from the outside that aren't really fully on board with what WWE's doing, but really have interest in watching wrestling. Those early weeks of that TNT show, I would feature that tag team division, that tag team tournament heavily. If you can't feature them all, by all means, throw together a trios tournament because what SCU has shown that they can do in the early part of their run in AEW is is, is get the crowd hot right from the get-go. Come out, cut that little promo, do their shtick as past factions have done so well, and then go out there and just tear it up with athletic matches that last about 10 to 12 minutes. It's perfect for what modern pro wrestling needs to kick off the show. Doesn't have to be classic matches out there, but damn, they're certainly getting close to putting on borderline classics when they go out there. Opening matches at their finest in the modern era. I loved it. I thought it was a great way to kick off the show, and you know, and and also really, really got to say a lot about Luchasaurus and how over that guy is already, and how good Jungle Boy is at a, such a young age. He reminds me of a a smaller Brian Pillman, 30 years. After the the flying Brian phenomenon began, so there's a lot to like about this match. James,
0: um with with Luchasaurus. Like, just talk about how how he like like what what do you make of a Luchasaurus? Like, obviously, you know he's a he's got a mask on, and you know you got to kind of explain what he is. But like, just as a raw talent, like, what are we looking at with this guy? Because you know you would think you know it's, like where's he been? You
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> I, dude i mean i i did not watch and how big the of ground. a pickup
0: is this like if they just have this dude just waiting in the wings
2: yeah so <clears> uh caleb um caleb did a part of a social suplex he uh he mentioned or he kind of on the fact that like there were no quote-unquote big guys or hosses or whatever else a powerhouse type wrestlers um in a w or there were very few of them and um the one that the one that there was to point out was luchasaurus and the fact that luchasaurus is super over at the time and you know you kind of think with that uh with the gimmick that he has uh, that is kind of limiting um but if the crowd is going that crazy and loves it at least the the um there in the arena then you think that there's some type of uh something is translatable there's the T V. Um, but I mean for me, every time I see him go out there and he just like kicks the shit out of people, I think he's incredible. Um, now, as far as like finding out that he was once in WWE's developmental and it didn't work out and he may have been the person that turned in um, built a mod and everything else, so he, that's why he's not in WWE. I'm thinking like, well, they damn sure missed the bowl on him because <laughs> you see what he does you see what he does for for stretches of time and you're thinking like why is this dude not wrestling Roman Reigns at a WrestleMania?
0: Yeah. Um, he's, uh, I want to say he's 34 years old now. So, like, he's, you know, at that age where you can go with him. You know, he's he's matured in business. He's, you know, his body's right. And he's, you know, got some quality years uh, in front of him still. And, you know, as you mentioned with Jungle Boy, like, like, they started calling him Jungle Jack Perry, which I liked because it transitions him out of what jungle boy would sound like. And then you get that Jack Perry connection with his father and everything like that. And then his own, like, you know, being young and and having the, the young heartthrob wrestlers, which is something we don't really see in America uh, too often anymore.
2: Not since like the territory days kind of wrapped up, yeah,
0: right. And then like thinking five years when he's 27 years old, like the amount of credibility that he's gonna have, um, <clears throat> with this audience. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how everyone's uh position Marco Stunt did eat that pin,
2: though. Strong booking move there for yeah. <laughs> me. That, that, that is very much a if you know, if you watch New Japan or you watch Stardom, it's like, okay, well, you have marco stunt is a young lion lioness whatever else so he so we are going to protect these other two people by having him eat that pin which is smart
1: chat i want to ask you guys a question this has been on my mind since watching the show and actually having a conversation with the guy i was watching it with about luchasaurus this is a company that has the opportunity to sort of establish the expectations of their presentation. For years now we've had guys over in WWE like Triple H saying, if you're not in this business to be the world heavyweight champion, then you should get out. I don't know that I've ever really agreed with that statement. What's wrong with someone like Luchasaurus coming in and just being a a phenomenally over tag team wrestler? So my question to you guys is, is, do you guys want to see there be A dichotomy that develops in AEW where we're not necessarily defining the main event as the target that everybody's trying to reach and that you can have guys stick around in the mid-card scene for a couple of years and just be over and let them do what they can do there and if hey, if it translates to the world wants to see Luchasaurus get to the top, then it'll happen but if it doesn't happen, then it's okay for a Luchasaurus to be in the tag team division for a couple of years and then maybe phase out and go somewhere else. I mean, how do you guys feel about that?
2: For me, I think that, um, it doesn't, I feel like ultimately if you can get people to want to see, see who fill in the blank, whoever it is, no matter what they do, and they can do something as far as uh, do something compelling to so where you can see them in a clash against somebody else, that's 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 the win. Everything else besides that is uh, whether it's for a title, or it's a blood feud, or it's a betrayal, or it is an exhibition. All that stuff is stuff that you put besides the point. Is like, do you want to see it, and if you can see it, how do you present it to where you can try to get your your uh, the people that are your hardcore fan base to just enjoy it. And I mean, for the most part, there it seems that they have a lot of goodwill built up with their fan base because pretty much anything they do gets over aside from like really like the dark order and like the librarian stuff. So um for me, it really comes down to try whatever you want as long as you can uh make it respectable and, and something ultimately can be transitioned out of into something else. Um I've, If you want to make some type of dichotomy between this is main event level stuff and this is just, the fun stuff, cool, but ultimately like I think ultimately what they're trying to give you is variety and whatever people tend to like I mean a lot of stuff is people that things that people haven't really seen because a lot of this is pretty much the American Indies kind of giving a huge spotlight in other parts of the world, whether it's the joshi stuff or it's uh the uh o w e stuff um so I think it's it's variety, and it's not just the variety in the sake of like how you know vince or Hunter would talk about it as really more or less like trying to just grab all the talent so nothing ever can start an uprising. Um, I think there's actually a legitimate push to try to show you different styles of wrestling around the world. Now, do I think they're going to bring out Kota Ibushi fighting a, a blow-up doll or Kenny Omega fighting a nine-year-old girl in stardom? I don't think so, but uh, I think outside of like the, extre- the super extreme stuff, I think that's what they're trying to give you with you know the hardcore stuff and and what and all the other stuff around
0: yeah i think um you know if someone like lucha stores was to stay a tag team wrestler his whole career i think that would depend on how well the tag team division has been established uh in throughout the company's history if the tag team division is this dead end that you know people get thrown in that you know they don't have anything to do with. Of course, we should we should transition people that uh, show potential out of it. But if it's mm-hmm. like a destination, I think that could be incredibly valuable, and that's a very underserved uh, you know part of wrestling. And you know one of the goals of this company has been you know we can we're going to show that tag team wrestling can be a main event attraction. Um, yeah. And if okay. if is part of that, I, I think that can only you know only helps him that they're over, that yeah. he's over
2: like that. Yeah. And I. Yeah. And I Oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just gonna say my—I guess my underlying point is this: whether Luchasaurus ends up, you know, branching out and maybe having a Kane-like moment someday, where he, mm-hmm. you know, takes the mask off and becomes a,
2: <laughs> you know, a ten-year-running
1: <laughs> upper mid-card player with who once a year has a pay-per-view main event, or whether he just becomes like a, um, you know, remembered like smash or axe from demolition oh god we need to get back to a an era in wrestling where you don't have to go on to have a gigantic singles career to be a legend you know <clears throat> i agree and,
2: yeah i agree and i think that i think one way they can they can kind of um they can kind of keep that from becoming a, a there's a glass ceiling uh, kind of thought on some guys is if you actually present the tag team titles and division like on par and also the women's titles on par with the men's titles as far as like everybody is striving whatever division they're in they are striving to be the best in that division therefore you have a lot of alliances and, and betrayals based off the fact that people are all you know or a lot of people are all greedy trying to get to that whatever they're that, you know the top prize and divisions are and then from there you can kind of keep things you know with all the time that we think is going to come in and out we think we can keep that that sort of thing fresh and also with all the tag teams they have and they even mentioned that like the fact there might be a trios thing you can put some of the tag teams that aren't even much doing anything into use with trio stuff so yeah i think i think there is gonna we'll see eventually but i think that's how they can kind of keep that from that sort of stuff from happening
0: and they can also get guys in the ring together without having to um, pin them, like with you know designated pin eaters and such. Yeah. Um, so uh, up next it was Omega and Pack. Um, you know it's it's gonna be uh, an adjustment for me to say that name. Pac with the shocking uh, submission victory. Uh, Omega, I guess he passed out. Uh, some of the camera work was kind of shoddy there. So like we saw a picture of Omega's ass during the submission. So I didn't really know what happened uh, as far as the finish. But it looks like it was a ref. Style. His ass tapped out. Yeah, yeah, essentially So, um, yeah man So, pack with the shock win um, What did you guys make of this match? I loved it, I thought it was good uh, I think I initially Had it at four and three quarters But I dropped it to four and a half uh, Because I liked the latter match better uh, <clears throat> Later in the night But, um, yeah What did you guys uh, make of this one? And this replacing uh, Omega and Moxley
1: I think we all knew it was going to be different with Moxley being subbed out for for Pack and and in some technical ways I think that was always going to be for the better. Uh storyline-wise, the ability to tell an emotionally engaging story. I thought that Omega versus Moxley was the pretty much the the most anticipated match of the year. Uh at least beyond January 4th. Um uh, so, knowing that, going in, expecting this to be something of a showcase for Omega to perhaps better than he's had yet to date in AEW to an audience that maybe uh, doesn't know the full capability of what he can do that never did bite the bullet and jump into the New Japan Ocean, I think that Pac versus Omega was, a, was the best reflection we've seen to date of what Kenny Omega is capable of. But it's still... ha. <sighs> you know, I loved it too, you know? I, I did, man, In part, but the reason I loved it wasn't because of Kenny Omega. I loved it because of what it did for Pac. And, and I, I'm a big fan of that guy. I loved his presentation. I've probably said it on this show before. I loved his presentation on 205 Live. I thought he was fantastic there. And I was really excited he was going to be originally before Moxley showed up. A guy who I claim to be my fan anchor to AEW, him getting subbed out for double or nothing was uh, was a blow to my enthusiasm. Him coming back having this opportunity to to do what he can do and showcase himself, I thought he was incredible. I thought Kenny Omega was good. I'm actually very intrigued to see where Kenny Omega goes from here, story wise, because they're setting up a very intriguing long term arc. For him, but in the moment, as a big fan of both guys, as a big fan of Pat, getting to see this showcase, it was great. That that final stretch, I didn't think it was crisp enough to warrant getting into that all-time great kind of class, but definitely a great match. Definitely Kenny Omega's the best in AEW to date, and I, it's I've got some mixed feelings on parts of it because that botch there at the end on that on that poison rana really took me out of it because you just don't normally see stuff like that. And Kenny Omega matches they're, they're usually a lot more dis- despite the degree of difficulty being so high. I mean the guys like Simone Biles in gymnastics, I mean she sets her her, her her degree of difficulty so high that even if she messes up she still gets incredibly high marks. I guess you could say that for this Kenny Omega match, but aesthetically it was great. I would have I, I thought it was just from an enjoyment factor from what I wanted from a pro wrestling match on this night. I thought it was the match of the night, but still there's a little bit of a mixed feeling about it, which is going to be a theme of my thoughts on this show. I will tell you in advance. So I'll stop rambling and see where you guys go with it. Maybe pick a spot here and there after it. James.
2: Yeah, for me, I, I love the match. Um, it wasn't like, it was something I probably gave uh, four and a half to um, it. Just for me initially, as, as it happened, uh, just for me, um, I feel like I've seen so many kenny Omega matches that it's almost like you can throw, pick you just throw any of them out and you just you're judging him against the standard he's already set so that, that's already kind of hard but um it, it, it was it was another great match it's just you know um I, th- I almost feel like they're going I understand putting over a pack like either whoever won it, it made sense for them to win um one because pat or pack just got in so why would you beat him and then you also have the other thing of all right um they actually showed uh wins and loss records on um while people were coming down to the ring uh in the graphic in the bottom third and they actually put the re- showed like singles record and overall record and it showed like okay so he hasn't won a singles match and then he loses again and you're like okay so he's going the next story he, is he's nah, going to he, go he on he, oh, he I'm sorry. He's yeah. he, sorry, he lost he, but he's also, but he has a losing record now. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so now uh that means yeah, now he's his story is like how will he come back from this and eventually get into the title picture or what have you or going to run. So it's like, okay, I'm okay with that, but you think I thought for me, um, how many people are you gonna have go out on a on a chase? Because, you know, I kind of went into the Jericho in in out a pace thinking like Jericho wins. And then you had set up a, you know, and then because obviously based on presentation um, on these shows anyway, Adam Page is not close to ready. They just threw him in there to be somebody that has a name and they can get some shot at being in the top match, but he's not definitely not going to win it. And so you think like he could be the champion in like, a, in like a year and a half or two years, maybe three years. But how many? So now you have that. And then you also have. Uh, but before it also, the Kenny thinks it's like, OK, so Kenny's run is going to come. But now, like I'm almost in my mind, I like, trying to, I'm almost trying to figure, like, am I wh- what when's When is somebody's turn? To you know, to get to Jericho, almost uh, as opposed to just enjoying the match. And but that's just separate from the match. I enjoy the match, but I'm just thinking, like, okay, so what's next? I'm thinking of what's next, what's next, what's next, and you know, maybe I have to get out of that.
0: Yeah, I, this reminds me, like in um on B C E, like where they had uh, that thing written on the paper, should Kenny be a jobber? Which is uh. <laughs> Which made me think, think about that. And I was like, man, you know, it has been a rough year for Kenny. You've done a lot of losing, Uh, going back to Wrestle Kingdom here. So, um, we'll see what happens. Um, You know, I was shocked. You know, I, I didn't think it was a bad decision or anything. But it was like, huh, all right, well then. I I don't know if they're trying to book to throw the scent off or, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, you know.
2: I, I would say this. <clears throat> Pac beat Kenny, so like Pac needs to be an immediate player.
1: That's the that's the best reason to do this. I, I wrote on Twitter on Friday, I wonder if they've got the stones to put Pac over Kenny Omega, thinking, you know, I mean, if they do, Pac goes from a guy who was a cruiserweight champion in WWE to a guy who is undoubtedly a major player right away in AEW, so I mean, I love the decision from that standpoint. I think the the meta narrative with Kenny Omega is, is is just as intriguing as the the narrative they're beginning to to tell on commentary and with his booking, which is, and Jr. mentioned it. Is I'll quote it almost verbatim. Uh, did Kenny Omega leave his wrestling heart in Tokyo?
0: Yeah, and. Um, in- they 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 portrayed him as, like, unfocused, you know, like with the switch to um, Pac coming in. And maybe he has to recapture it by, by going through the roster, like by having him go out there. He has to fight Jungle Boy on TV. He has to fight no. Scorpio Sky at random. He has to go. No, and... no,
2: no, no. If he, if he had started to bomb, he had started Marco Marco Stunt. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, moving on, uh, we've got uh the cracker barrel clash now, Chad mentioned it earlier. I want it back as often as they can do it, and one of these three guys has to be in it at all times um yeah, it was a war, it was a death match, it was you know uh tax tape barrels uh chairs, what else did they do uh, still steps.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, a awesome skateboard with thumbtacks on the bottom of it.
2: Yes, forgot that yeah. one. An awesome and, A match. nail gun or a staple gun. Yep.
1: Yep. No.
0: Paper cuts. Paper cuts with the lamination, yes. Jeez. Savages. <laughs> the the I
1: love that we live in a wrestling world right now where a a match like that could be sponsored. By Cracker Barrel.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it's just so awesome. Um, I don't really know a what. a long way. Yeah, gentlemen. Yeah, I I don't really know what else to really say about this. So I'll just throw it to y'all. Like this was a war. It was awesome. Go watch it.
2: Chad, you got some, or, or I can go because I have something.
1: Yeah, all I was gonna all all add is that I I think that there is a market for this kind of wrestling match, and I think that that. AEW is smart to play into that. This is a a, a modern, untapped resource in a mainstream way. So by all means, throw this out there as an other. Because other works, you know? WWE tries to trot out that 24-7 bullshit, and it's not that interesting. I mean, it's just not. It it has a ceiling on what it can be. I, I think that this has a higher ceiling i think that a hardcore genre i love the fact by the way that jimmy havoc gets the win because to me this is the type of thing where it can just be this garbage brawl fun thing that they do over on the side and fun is kind of a weird way to put it but i mean that's the way i interpret it It is fun but they can out they could also i mean you could throw someone in there against jimmy havoc someday on a major show and have it be this type of match and beating him In his type of match, could actually mean something, and I'm of the opinion that everything in pro wrestling, if it's done the way that it could, that it, if it's done in an optimal way, should mean something. It should mean something when you beat somebody. It should mean something when you step into someone else's environment and and beat them at their own game. And I think that's the type of thing that they can develop. That's into beyond just being something of uh, of a sideshow.
0: That would be awesome. They, they come yes. out there and be like, "You have to go fight Jimmy Havoc in a Cracker Barrel clash," and everybody knows that you don't want any of that. That's like you got to fight Mick Foley in a hardcore match. <laughs> you got to go, go to Hell in a Cell and fight Undertaker. Yes, S-
2: same same type of energy there. <sighs> okay, so I enjoyed the hell out of this match. I was terrified and hor- actually not terrified, but horrified for a lot of this match. Um, Janela and Darby Allen are going to kill themselves. They're going like, I, I believe that I was told that, uh, Darby Allen is like 22 or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, if, if he keeps this up, he will be in a wheelchair by 30. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, also one thing mentioned, um, cause we haven't mentioned it yet. I don't know what needs to happen. I don't know what the, the, uh, a, the, the, the setup of the arena is whatever else they need an extra like two feet around the ringside area. Uh, during the Omega, during the Omega match, uh, Pac clipped his foot on a, on a, doing a, um, a moonsault off the top rope on the barricade. It's still a barricade. Uh, there were issues throughout the rest of the night, especially in the uh, uh, the ladder match. But while they were doing dives, I was just like, oh god, like. They're too it's too close they're just, the crowd's right up on them the barricades right up on them from what they're trying to do so um that like the level of you know them trying to thread the needle also like led to the to the i guess the the horror of them doing the dives throughout the match I thought that they made, i thought it was a cool character uh thing when they started the match and Havoc immediately grabs a a staple gun and he's like, "I'm crazy, you MFers, and then he staples himself to <laughs> let people know like he, he's actually really a, a certified psychopath. Like you you may, like you think you know, but you have no idea that sort of thing. Um, the you know the staples that are sorry the thumbtacks in the mouth the the casket drop. How did he, he decided to do the casket drop after that was like the craziest probably the probably most dangerous spot they in AEW history at this point, he said, I'm going to raise the stakes. I'm going to get a fake uh, barrel, and I'm going to jump in and do the cas- casket drop onto the steel, uh, steps. steel steps. So my question for you is this. Is the casket drop Darby Allens going to the top rope to get uh, a press slam off the top by Ric Flair? Is he ever landed on anybody?
0: <laughs> I, he's over two from from what I've seen. So, um...
1: going to elicit a big pop when he does hit it. Yeah,
0: his kokeshi,
1: headbutt.
2: Yes, like humma. those, no, yeah, those are his. That's his, those are his cervical. Those are his disc in his vertebrate in uh, his spinal column that are that are popping. I just, uh, I, I enjoyed the a match, but please don't kill yourselves. That's uh, is that fair? Hey,
0: I, I had one mentality watching this, and it's something I actually heard Joey Janela kind of say. It's like, if he's gonna die, he's gonna die legend. So,
2: oh yes, <laughs> that's doesn't... another one, Joey Janela. <laughs> joy janela does a moonsault to the floor nothing that was was the move that was the move i'm going to moonsault to the floor i'm not gonna land on anything or anybody except for the floor the floor
0: yeah um there's another part in a match i like i like when uh i think it was uh he hit it on jimmy havoc i think when Joey did the sunset flip, Canadian Destroyer through the table, uh, yeah. he actually did it at David Starr a couple like a month ago or something like that. So, think yeah. he
1: did it to Darby Allen. Oh, okay, there so was, Darby Allen, a lot of Darby, Darby all- Allen also <laughs> takes that bump. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. he uh
2: the the what was it the Emerald Frozen that's on the apron? Joey Janelle gave that to Darby Allen, I believe. Yep, Darby Allen, like Janella and Darby Allen did crazy stuff, but Darby Allen did stuff because of his his build and everything, and there's not much padding on that build. He was just like. I don't know how this dude is going to be able to... I don't know how this dude is going to be able to, 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 to get out of bed tomorrow. Um, yeah, it's just... There was also at one point, there was, I believe, there was a brain buster on an on a open chair.
0: I, When's the rematch?
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing that I thought about during this match that had nothing to do with the hardcore nature of it is I had this conversation with Twitter with someone earlier in the week where they were talking about how they they weren't all that impressed with AEW because they weren't doing a good job of building new stars and I sat there and I thought to myself Mm. um, Mm. you know who's a big deal right now who I never heard of before AEW Darby (laughs) Allen you know who's a big deal of who I'd only heard of in passing but had never seen before Joey Janela you know who's a big deal right now who I'd never even heard of before AEW Jimmy Havoc the list of SCU I mean the list just goes
2: on and on MJF, not yeah. rose like I, I don't people people say that and it's like look like that that's cool but like you can't say that they have not been out here trying to build people oh Sean Spears as well Sean, Sean Spears is more famous for uh in, in, the, in the wrestling world right now than he ever was doing Pi Himinger Q10 stuff
1: yeah now there are, there is gonna be an issue I think and, and this will be this will be something that I'd like to talk about more when we get a little bit later on in the show and get up to that main event level mm-hmm. but There are a lot of really talented guys. They've done a lot. They've done really well building a lot of guys up to a certain level. Now, who's going to get up to the tippy-top level?
2: Into the top – at this point, the top five?
1: Yeah. Who's going to get there?
0: Yeah, man. Um so our next match was the dark order and the best friends. This was kind of like the low point on the show for me. Uh, it was a lot of silence droning silence that we, we often talk about and the dark order stuff just doesn't seem to have, you know, quite be curling right now. Kind of like the Vandross, like it kind of just doesn't quite, you know, but, (laughs) but, um, best friends are really over. Um, I don't. I haven't really been particularly impressed with their matches thus far in AEW. Um, Same here. You know, like their performances. Like you know,
2: and, they have good uh, matches.
0: I don't, but I don't love their matches. Yeah, it's like they're It's something else on the show, I think. And you know, it was cool. Orange Cassidy kind of made this whole thing for me here.
2: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was one of those matches that I felt like you watch the match and you're looking at it. The crowd's dead for it. Uh, crowd is getting up to go to concessions. Uh, they treated this like a like a death slot match, um, and you see them working their ass off. I'm like, oh my god, like this is a two or five match on a pay per view in the WWE. Like these people are w- working their ass off, and is is well done. But there's not, but the crowd is not into it because they're not seeing the stars or seeing people that they should care about for whatever reason, one way or the other. Um, especially Dark Order, and then and then eventually like. They're gonna wrestle so hard the crowd eventually look, like comes to it and is like oh my god they've been working really hard like, how about we get into it and the crowd eventually got into it towards the end you can say the same thing for the um the the match that follows this as well but it just I just felt like they kind of got left out uh to dry by putting Kenny and then that Cracker Barrel match before it if they had swapped it around I feel like those matches would have been be- uh better off for uh would have been in a better position.
1: I do not personally understand, and this is going to be my hill to die on with AEW, because there's so many things I've loved about what they've done so far, but there is a recurring theme that has begun to emerge. I felt it the first night at Double or Nothing. I didn't feel it so much the second time around with Fighter Fest. I damn sure felt it during Fight for the Fallen, and I absolutely positively felt it to the point where I'm going to make a big deal out of it last night. This shows are too blanking long. There is no reason why AEW needs to yep. come out of the gate and introduce all these people and have five hour shows with a full on pre show. You take this match that did have stakes that were defined, where the team you're trying to build and an act that's already over, and you put that thing in the last match on the pre show, and you just tell with respect to private party and, um, Who'd they face?
0: Angelico and Evans.
1: And Angelico and Evans. You guys are sitting out tonight. This was... that There just was no need for a hot opener right before the hot opener. You know, I'm not a big... I'm, I, Rich, you and I, I know we've talked about this on the doc says in the past, particularly when we were doing all of our pay-per-view to pay-per-view stuff back in the day. Yeah. You don't need... This pre-show concept of using a pre-show to sell the show... I don't understand it. I would love to see some statistics on it to see if it actually is helping people <laughs> buy in. Because I'm not I'm not buying it as something that helps people buy in. I think when people watch the pre-show, they've pretty much already made up their damn mind if they're going to be watching the pay-per-view proper. So it's unnecessary. If you're going to do that much on the pre-show, then you got to shorten the main card. Take this match off. Put it on the pre-show. Don't have it at all or better yet if you are going to if you're going to tell me as Cody Rhodes has been pretty apt to say yeah we don't really have a problem with the length of the show well i got a damn problem with the length of the show it's ending <laughs> at midnight you know it doesn't need to end at midnight this is 2019 when people's attention spans are shorter what's pro basketball trying to do they're trying to make the games shorter what's football trying to do they're trying to make the games Shorter. Why are we getting into the baseball mode of letting things just escalate longer and longer? This more is more era across pro wrestling is driving me nuts. If you want me to commit to watching the entirety of a pro wrestling show, then take a match like this and just make it seven minutes. Who cares if it gets to three stars? Just get the point across. The point is to put over the dark order. Do it more decisively. Get in, get out, and the show would benefit from it that was my opinion of this match. You're right. They worked their ass off, but I didn't care because I was tired. I needed a break. I needed a promo. I needed a, a bullshit segment backstage or something to disconnect, to disengage from. AEW needs to work on that. These shows are too damn long.
2: Well said. Um, I, I 100% <clears throat> agree. Uh, like, you start off like, okay, so match that should, have been, that should have been dropped. I would have dropped both of the... I would have dropped the Dark Order match. I would have dropped the... Uh, not the SEU match, but the uh, the the Evans and a Helico match. I would have dropped that. Uh, I mean, I'll, just because of the stakes alone, it's on the card. But if not for the stakes, I would I wouldn't have put on the Akaroa sheet in 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 match. I would have dropped that as well. There, there's no, you know, if they if they, I feel like they have done a poor job with uh with the women's division so far because there is no start immediately sticks out to mind They're just people that you know of because of things they've done elsewhere but there is no person that has done something in aW unless you think like that person is a star in women's division therefore I like I love the talent in the women's division but like unless they go out, start building somebody like I'm not, I'm not really enthused about them so like based off of that like those those matches in theory based off of how well they've been put together didn't necessarily merit being on the card. Uh, it, but, but but aside from, so like, there's a bunch of stuff that like you're right. Just filler is put or put on there for the sake of being put on there for like one small reason that deserves to be on there. But it's like aside from that reason, based on interest in what you built towards it, like it doesn't actually really just dis- merit being on the card. So yeah,
0: the only thing I can <clears throat> say uh, about the length of the show is four hours is a really long show uh if they can figure out a way to get to like three and a half at max i think that's like the sweet spot um they they do this was their last show for a month and they do need footage on a lot of these people that's probably the only thing i can think of um
2: uh, that's cool but like do we need do we need uh adam adam page to go 19 minutes with kip sabian
0: no, that was that was a complete yeah. whiff. That would that would. But that, I mean, he, but but that's, should, part, of the, but that's should, part of it, He, though. he should have like, dispatched that's all, him all, in electrifying fashion in like ten right. minutes.
2: Right. But I mean, but I'm I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, in Chad, you can you, you, you can speak for yourself. But I feel like a part. of All of that stuff, all these small things here and there, where they're getting people are. That's where the minutes add up. Where okay, with well, this person, they they should have got twelve or ten minutes. Let's give them fifteen. Oh, this should have went twelve minutes. Let's give them nineteen. Like, this shit don't have to go that long. And you can't even say you can't even say it's one of those things where like it's WWE where like between the segments and the video packages eating up just is half of the time. Most of the time is in the ring. So the matches don't need to go that damn long.
1: It's a lot of and, and, and another thing is it's it's it starts to get after a while it starts to get a little monotonous because a lot of these matches are really similar in some ways. Like the tag team action, it's like all right, we're going to go fast-paced, and we're going to build, and we're going to build, and we're going to build. Not every match needs to be optimized in what it can accomplish. Sometimes the point of the Dark Order match was to put over the Dark Order. So why do we need 12 minutes for that? And some might say it's picking nits, but it's not when it comes down to the point where you're really getting just these. You're drained by the first hour and a half being over, and you don't have a match that's, that screams, this is the point in the show where I'm supposed to relax. You know, there has to, something has to take on that role. And unfortunately, you know, the Dark Order match, which did have some stakes in a stacked tag team division, was along with the Riho match that came after it, that just, it's naturally, you can't go up, 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 up emotionally. And then... Not have something bring you down, and, and that's fine. I think that's okay. But I think it belabors the point when you are having these matches go long. And it's not to say that twelve minutes is long, but it's twelve. 12 minutes is long for what they were trying to achieve. So um, I, I feel like I could go on and on about that, but it's just it's t- it's a tough spot. I think that you know I what I want to see. The final point I will say about it. And not to beleaguer this whole thing, but the bottom line is, is one of the things that I need AEW to do as a wrestling fan after feeling like WWE has been tone deaf for so many years, I need AEW to acknowledge that pro wrestling shows are too goddamn long right now (laughs) and somebody needs to recognize that that's a major thing that nobody wants to be so exhausted by the time we get to the match that's supposed to be the most important match on the show, both live or at home, where you're having to stand up and pace the room because you're about to fall a freaking sleep. You know, it's just, it's emotionally engaging, but it's overloading and overwhelming. And that's something that uh, that I think some of their main events, I mean, all but one of the four AEW shows has had a main event that suffered from a crowd that was wiped out jericho and omega the crowd was tired i was tired the only main event they've had thus far where the crowd was peaking at the right time was moxley and janella that's it that's one for four something's got to change something's got to give and it needs to as i'm sure we're about to segue into the women's match it needs to stop happening during women's matches because that, that's a problem, too, because it, it hurts the presentation and it hurts perception.
0: So we got, uh, speaking of the women's matches, we've got Rio and Sheeta. Um, they had a match where the winner uh, gets the championship shot uh, on the first CV against Nyla Rose. Uh, it looks like Rio had won. They consistently mentioned she was 98 pounds on commentary over and over again, and i I thought it was a, a, a cool match. I thought it was, you know, f- it was fast-paced. And I don't know necessarily how well it got over in the building. It got over better than Dark Order versus Best Friends. I'll say that. Definitely. And <laughs> But um, I don't know if these two were the right two to be in the match. Um, you could have pulled Britt Baker and Beep Priestley and put them here, uh, seeing as they had actually had something started on the last show and a heated issue. Um, but... There's something going on that they're trying to do with their women's vision. It looks like, and you know <clears throat> I think you know yeah. this is what you know. Th- this is just how the cards shake out,
2: but I like the match, yeah, I like the match too i I gave it like three and a half, but I think the thing for me is <clears throat> the crowds are being polite to them because they know that they're talented uh wrestlers, and as for the and that's a, sort of the same thing with um the Dark Order stuff, like, they're not shitting on Dark Order. They're just being quiet, right? Um, so for me, uh, and I've, I've heard people talk about this, like, they're trying to give you different varieties of, of, of pro wrestling with, with the, you know, and by that, and they're highlighting the Joshis. Like, the first match with the six-woman Joshi match, like, that was incredible, right? But I think the thing that they got lost in it is the reason why Joshi kind of stands out as... Uh, as this kind of primal thing is because you have women that are great at emoting and Riho and the caro when, when caro from what I've seen, when she's working on knees when she's fighting Asia Kong, she's great fighting underneath as a baby face in peril. She's great. But she's in there with Riho, So she has to, you know, we joked about it. Like she is, she is Shawn Michaels fighting John, uh, fighting Shawn Waltman. So you have to see the Shawn Michaels, big man offense she is out there literally giving her backbreaker breakaker at the back and that's not necessarily i mean I didn't know this but apparently that's not her strong suit because there was no there was no primal just you know get up get up get up you're in danger type of field when you watch from some of these top joshi matches that kind of stick out like this was not rich. We we we've been doing a lot of stardom. Was this anything like Hazuki or Arisa or or Jungle and Momo or I don't think you've seen Jungle Momo or is this anything like the top matches you see in stardom? No, the matches are way above because you have these women that are that you can see from the cheap seats that are just dying that you live and die with them while they're going while they're just going through it. So. I, this is also for me, a cold I to ass match. match like, eh, I don't know.
0: It, it, it was a cold match. They they had no type of build for it. They was like, hey, these two were you know fighting for the position. So I, like, the crowd didn't have a reason to care about them. I feel like.
2: Right. So. Right. And that's and that's on and that's on AEW.
1: AEW has not done a very good job thus far with its two major championships. Uh, uh well, you know, consider well, you know. Tag team division is going to be a different story. And that division. is a major championship. The singles titles. yeah, They've not done well with it. They just haven't. Right. They've taken the least imaginative route possible. I mean, they may as well have just said, we're going to have a battle royal to determine the champion. It's just not that interesting what they're doing uh, on that front, and, and that is on them. And I think I, – I, I know you guys have been paying a lot of attention to what's going on with the Joshi women in Japan, but here's the deal. To me – They don't got the promos.
2: Way- you don't know them.
1: The way it comes across right now is that the women's division is being built by a bunch of mid-to-late first-round draft picks, and maybe there's a diamond in the rough amongst them, but I said this on my podcast last night. I hope that we don't sit here six months from now and feel like, man, AEW is probably sitting back there regretting that they didn't make some sort of huge play for one of these WWE women whose contract was maybe up They need a first-round pick. I mean, they need a top-five draft pick type right now for this women's division. They've got veteran contract-type players. Say what you will about Aja Kong. She can be a contributor, I'm sure. Maybe she can wrestle her ass off still. I don't know. That's what I've heard. But perception.
2: um, If if she's in there with the right person that she can beat up on, she can go out there and have a a four-and-a-half-star match. Her and have had a a four-and-a-half-star match late last year. But that's what I'm saying. Like That that's great, but why should me as an American or that as, a, or as a person that has never seen them before, why should I care? Cause I'm not going to hear their promos or or, 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 hopefully they do it better than let's say they take care the way that they used to take care with Oscar or a Kyrie or even EO right now in NXT. If they can do that, that sort of groundwork, yeah, but that's sort of something that takes time. I mean, like, you're starting this off the ground right now. Like Those should be things that should be long-term plays, not like this is what we're doing right now.
1: I don't even think they should have done a championship for the women this soon. I think they needed to build the division, build the division, build the division, and at the end of the year say, it's time to crown the first AEW women's champion. I think they're making a mistake coming right out of the gate and just throwing the belt on someone because that's what it feels like It feels like they're just throwing the belt on Nyla Rose, presumably, after she took the loss to Rio on that show a couple of months ago. I think Nyla Rose is going to be the first AEW women's champion, and at this point, I couldn't care less about it. I hate to say that. I want to care about it, but they have not done a good job of building it up. They keep throwing these matches. The women's, the Joshi women in particular, have been thrown into these spots, very difficult spots multiple times already in AEW's young history. And again, I don't want to be overwhelmingly negative. I'm just using it as an analytical point to make that, hey, I I, I keep getting to this point where women's division stuff's coming up and I don't have a whole lot to sink my teeth into. They're not doing a lot, as you mentioned, they're not doing a lot of the promo work on the, uh, or any of the promo work in the shows leading up to the YouTube videos they're doing. They're not doing any of that. It's just a week before, it's like, hey, this is going to be a match to determine uh, one half of the, the the first women's title match. Like, oh, well, I, 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 think... I mean, Ri- Riho reho's which one now? And, and 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 what's the other one's name?
2: Hikaru Shida.
1: And Hikaru Shida, she was in that six woman yeah, thing. she's the one that had nothing big... to yeah. right? right. Right. I mean, but that's that's where my mind's going. going. It's not yeah. going to. Oh right. yeah, absolutely. I'm ready to see that. I'm I'm ready to see her get up to that to that championship spot. And I think
0: this is one spot where AEW will run into trouble is they are, I think they're under attack by a lot. They'd be like, you know, people will start Twitter fires about like, oh, you don't have a women's division established. Like they're trying to run and catch up those explanations. In an ideal world, it would have been like what Chad would said. But they're not going to get the patience for whatever reason, you know, (laughs) to to get that. Um.
1: I would have tried. I would have said, "Screw it," and waited for the right person to show up. Well,
2: I think I think the thing for me is, okay. So, apparently, speaking compared to the rest of the world, um, the top, all the top level stars in the women in the world of women's wrestling are all in WWE, and they're all locked up to long, 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 long terms. Like Becky, I mean Becky, you look at the horsewomen. All the horsewomen are, are locked up for the long term future. Uh, did, if you're AEW, would you want to sign Alexa Bliss if she even, even if she was available, would you want to sign Alexa Bliss to be the, uh, the face of your division when you know she has to go out there and wrestle. And then you see uh someone that is you know see reho other uh, uh, other women in the division are all like well more experienced and then better flat out better wrestlers than her. Like there there is a problem with what they have. Like I I think that um I personally think that. Nobody right now is doing a good women's division that is also that is treating it as a, a ancillary division right now in professional wrestling. Like if you are if you have a if you are a person that ha, uh, a, a professional wrestling company right now that is doing um, pro wrestling that has a tag division and a women's division that's treating like an ancillary division or whatever else, um, along with your single stuff, like you are not doing it well. Like the best thing I can say about AEW is they're not as bad as Women of Honor. <laughs> that, that's 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 about that's that's about the best thing I can tell you. Like nobody's doing it well. So I mean, it, it, it's 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 similar to when we talk about like, all right, name all the great tag team divisions in, in around the world right now, and all the only thing you really think of is AEW. It's like it's it's it, it being well done well right now. It's almost like that's the exception as opposed to the actual rule. So I don't know if we're grading it too hard, but they brought in these they brought in a bunch of people that I believe that. If they stepped down and did the legwork like they've done with their mid car with MJF and Jungle Boy and Havoc and Darby Allen whatever else, they could get to that. But, you know, maybe I'm overstating because, you know, Chad mentioned like there is no star there is no person that stirs the drink yet. And I mean that's absolutely true.
0: So we're we're the uh, working with the post Carmelo, uh, Denver Nuggets right now with in the women's division. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, like they're like, all gonna we, have to like work together. Essentially.
2: Yeah, yeah, like we're we're working with a bunch of like we're working with a bunch of like nines and stuff like and you're like, you know, you know, maybe 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 that picks up a book, but there is there are no jokers or kings out there right now and around the world. Like and and if they are that are available and aren't side of WWE, they're in Japan and I mean, and we already, we're already we already dealing with that issue where we don't, like, you know, it you can, you can bring in Miko sadamore to go out there and, and and tear the fucking house down if they wanted to, but they will have to present... It's all about presentation, but, like, they haven't even got to the point where the presentation is on point yet. It's just they're doing something. I can see what they're doing with, with uh, Britt Baker and B, right? But it's just... It's just, like, that's down the line when right now you're doing women's division, like if that's going to be your top few then what are we doing here i don't i don't know like it's 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 a it's a mess it's a mess of them trying like i I see the effort but like the i see the heart there but i don't see the mind behind it you know what i mean that's 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 the way i can explain it
0: speaking of presentation um we can transition to presentation that was done well um cody and sean spears so coming into this um Sean Spears had been presented as like a completely new guy a completely made over star it's the the history of wrestling one guy being disregarded by promotion and I'm going to show the world I'm the star I was meant to be Uh, I don't think they quite got there in the match per se uh, because of you know they (laughs) you know there's the downside of these Cody matches spoiler alert a lot of shit happens like it's just like uh, yeah Um, but when you talk about getting the crowd to react to people, and you talk about the entrances, like just the the aesthetic of this match, I fucking love that part.
2: Okay, I'll go. Um, so Cody, for better and for worse, his match so far in AEW have been booked. Like the best stuff that, like some of the better stuff that his dad did in in when he had the book in um, NWA, and by that I mean there's stuff that happens in these matches that elicit uh, uh, a a uh, initial pop because you know or a or heat or whatever else, but if you're someone at home watching, once you see what they do, and your immediately thought your immediate thought is the very the obvious. Why, you're like what the fuck? So, um, whether it was the uh, all out last year with the the weird stuff with DDP just coming out and and with whatever else and the I forgot what weapon it was or whatever else, or when Cody decide Cody or Dustin decide during the match with the Young Bucks to decide to turn heel for five minutes and then turn back babyface in the middle <laughs> of match, or. You know, it's 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 just or when Cody turns heel on his on his brother, uh, and we heel on, on his whole, on his brother the whole time, and then at the end of the match he says, "I oh, want well, my older brother." It's just, I, I'm just, I I don't understand the 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 MJF stuff, where MJF is out there, he's a heel, but he's a babyface, or he's a but his best friend's a babyface, or he admires a babyface, and then he's plotting on him. I, okay, we'll get to that. I we'll get to that, but. Here's the thing. Do you remember the the uh, or the Saudi Arabia match between um Undertaker and Triple H where they had Kane cornering Undertaker and you had uh Sean cornering Triple H. It's like that whole entire match. It's almost like Sean is doing all the cheating for Triple H. All the cheating of Triple H. Meanwhile, Kane's sitting there not doing shit. This was Tully Blanchard is cheating his ass off. He is he is having a five star cheat cheatathon while MJF is like a fucking stooge sitting there, like I don't know what's going on. Like, I, so for me that like but you're also but he's also a heel. So why don't you help him? What are you doing out there? So we'll put that to the side.
1: Yeah, MJF that. has not been trained as a manager. Correct, James.
0: Oh
2: he
1: does not God. have the manager's <laughs> license.
0: Tully Blanchard like just out coached him on every level almost. Okay, so you,
2: you have that on one end. Then you another Triple H match. We'll we'll do into that. Sting versus Triple H. DS comes out, helps Triple H cheat, so to even the odds, NWO comes out. But if you just think, wait, what? Because the whole entire story, NWO and, and versus Sting, they hate each other's guts. Why the fuck would AAA, why the fuck would N- NWO come out to help Sting? Why would Arn Anderson, the Enforcer of the horsemen, come out to help uh, uh Cody's boy. That or sorry, uh, Dusty's boy. That makes no sense. They've
0: gotta got explain that one.
2: That's and, and and that's the thing where like oh it got a huge Additional pop. Additional context needed. It gets a huge pop, but if you just think for one second, what the hell? Like that it makes no sense. So like for me, that's a lot of these Cody matches. And for me just like I thought Cody busted his ass in that match. I thought it was, I I I thought it was a good match. I don't love the match. I think the match for me is something that just I I, I can't I can't embrace my mind will not let me. But I mean the crowd loved it so it was a success whatever. So y'all can say what y'all want to say but for me it's just it it didn't do it for me.
1: Well there you go. I think that that last thing you said is probably the most important and that's that the the success. How how you define success? it's i think gonna be a big a big question you have to answer in determining how much this match really added to the show because from the standpoint of getting the crowd into it certainly it did that but it was like i think the sting and triple h match at wrestlemania 31 is a great comparison i was thinking of rick flair versus undertaker at wrestlemania 18 not solely for the fact that arn anderson got involved but for the fact that I was going into this particular match expecting one thing and I got out of it something completely different. This was not an exercise in showing that Sean Spears is a star. No. This this was yeah. this yeah. was just like a vanity show for Cody Rhodes and right. you know, yeah, he got his win, he got it decisively, but I feel like, man, uh, you know, this should have been the second match on the show. If if this is what this was going to be, I don't think this held up in any way shape or form as a main event. I thought it was fine in the same way that I think of Flair versus Undertaker at WrestleMania 18 is fine. It's it was fine. It, it was what it was. It was you know one of those overbooked kind of matches and in this case I would not say to delight. I think it was overbooked to a point where whatever it is that they were trying to do in the pre-match build sort of got lost in the shuffle. So I guess I was expecting this to be Sean Spears with an opportunity to prove he belonged in a semi-main event spot. And I, I I certainly feel like what we got in terms of an answer to that question was a resounding no, he did not belong in this spot because everything that they did in the match from a booking standpoint is the kind of thing you do to someone who doesn't belong in that spot. Cody has proven he's capable of more, so he gets a pass in my opinion here. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about... Shawn Spears, all that much. I thought it was cool watching the the Road to All Out and seeing the likes of Tully Blanchard show up and and add his two cents to the Shawn Spears narrative. But at the end of the day, I'm not really into the Sean Spears narrative, and I was expecting this match would make me into it. It didn't. So there you have it. I'm I couldn't. Yeah. I, I'm done with this. As far as I'm concerned, Sean Spears can go back down to the six man tag team matches on the pre show. And uh and let's let's leave it at that. I don't see any reason to further invest a whole lot of energy into Sean Spears at this very moment. Yeah. If that was the point, then fair enough, but I never thought that was the point, so it's kinda weird.
0: Yeah, once they once they beat him I was like Oh, he's done. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, he liked that like well, I was like, well, he's done. Cause I, I do think something was there. And I think yeah. the aesthetic of this match is was, was awesome, but it was like, it was like a good looking person with a host of psychological issues. Um, that like underneath it, that where it's like, uh, Oh, it looked good, but there's, there's yeah. a whole lot more going on here than, you know, I, I think, you know, is, is worth.
2: Yeah. So, for, okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that like, uh, like if if Chad, like, honestly, like if you had said that you would love this match and it was old school and made you think of like uh, edit, or uh, Monday Monday Night War type stuff out uh, on his best in isolation, I'd been like, okay, I can see how you feel that way, but it just wasn't for me. But I'm I'm glad that you also don't enjoy this too. So her <laughs> didn't didn't love it. So I, I guess I guess the thing for me is like okay, so. <sighs> I felt like they did a good job with Spears from the moment he's uh, he he cut open um, Cody's head on accident with that chair, with that f- allegedly worked chair. So, uh, and, like it ain't like yes, it was worked, but like you still butt scashed him up. So like, how worked was it? So um, yeah. So from that point when he won that six man tag match at uh, I believe that was Fight for the Fallen, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Like. They were it looked like this is going to be a guy that can be positioned as like he could be the top heel of the of the of the mid card. Um, that's what I thought. Like like that's where like once we get past this Cody thing, that's where a nice landing spot for him would be. Now, but I thought that like they would find some way to where you know he could stick he could steal the win with thanks to Tully or whatever what have you. This way now it's like. I don't know where you go from here. Like, does he just it's sell over. in a monster med card and like there's nothing for him to do and I think there's nothing for him really to do now. Like they he he got he got sent off too easily and then this thing is this was uh a, a project to propel Cody to um a title shot. Cool. Um But I don't know if this accomplished I don't do you I felt like Cody I feel like this was a step back for both of them, Cody and Sean Spears. I don't feel like this was this propelled Cody in the way that probably thought.
1: Cody. I don't think it did anything for Cody. I think it's gonna be looked back at as um, well, maybe this is harsh. And I don't wanna be harsh. I think that this is a company that hasn't earned a lot of space for harsh criticism yet. They haven't done enough to me. They haven't put me in a bad mood <laughs> on numerous occasions.
0: <laughs> you know, Brock Lesnar hasn't been his champion.
1: This is still this is still for fun. So, but at the end of the day, you know, we've been building to this match for two months, and Cody Rhodes matches have a role that they are designed to play. It's sort of the emotional heartbeat of these programs, and it just wasn't. It just flat out wasn't. It was not that. I, I don't think it was anyway. I think. To to call it that would be to uh, apply a reputation of what Cody has done without taking into account what he did last night. And it's, so to me, it's a wash for Cody. Um, Sean Spears now basically is positioned, I think, best to drop down back to the level that we all probably thought he would have been. Now, he does have the benefit of a good two months working a program with Cody Rhodes and having Tully Blanchard in his corner. But at this point, what's even the point of Tully Blanchard being there if this guy's going to be uh, <laughs> a, a really, you know, kind right. of a lower tier mid card yeah. guy? To me, his spot is to go put over guys like Darby Allen, who could use the boost, or a Jungle yeah, Boy, that, or someone yeah. like that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it makes you think the wrong person won because, like, yeah. one dude's finished now. So, <laughs> like, yeah. seems yeah. to be finished. He would have to like. Yeah. You know, wins and
1: losses matter.
0: Yeah, yep. like he
2: would have to like jump into something with Kenny or something to
1: um,
2: I will keep Kenny away from him. I, I think that I think that there's a nice spot for after this Pac stuff wraps up for him and um Adam Page. Yeah. Because like I like you go out there and you and you have Pac beat Adam Page and then after that then you go uh Sean Spears and Adam Page and that's a nice, you know, third match on the card. Yep. Yeah, so
1: Linsanity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the semi-main event, an absolute classic: the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks uh, for the AAA tag team titles, which I assume we'll never see again. But however, we saw them last night, and there was it was an epic ladder match for the ages. Of these guys, <laughs> everything you you if you close your eyes and you thought like yo. What do you think is going to happen during the Young Buzz Lucha Bros match? Pretty much, you know, it it happened and more. Uh, I love the Canadian Destroyers off the ladders through the tables. I love the, you're going to do it to my brother, well, I'm going to do it to your brother stuff. I love the, uh, you know, the the Nick Jackson getting so desperate to where he would unmask, um, you know, Pentagon, and then Pentagon making him pay the ultimate price for such a dirty deed uh, with the... um, package pile driver on the ladder bridge it was intense, violent athletic and it was the best match on the show for me so it was just like unfuckwittable like so
1: awesome, unbelievable I, I mean I'll ask the question I asked when I was giving my sort of overarching recap earlier has there ever been a better stunt brawl caliber ladder match like just a where it's just crazy spot after crazy spot. I mean, I, I can't imagine, how do you top that? How do you top what they did? I mean, it's going to be so hard to top what they did. Someone would someone would have to almost die <laughs> with what they do to, to top that. And and I think that those little storytelling touches that you mentioned helped elevate it to the types of things that will hold up on replay when you get down to the the, if you're going to do this to my brother, I'm going to do it to yours type stuff the unmasking was a moment where you're really like, oh wow i mean that kind of took it to another level for me because aesthetically it was off the ch- it was just off the charts but you add in that storytelling touch and you know i think i just can't think of many ladder matches that, that i've ever seen that were were on this kind of a level i think it and in its own right it's a match of the year candidate it's different than any of the other match of the year candidates but it's going to stand out because of its differences
0: yeah, I went four and three quarters. I wouldn't if someone wanted to give it five stars, I wouldn't argue with them. so James, what would you think of this one? <laughs>
1: um, in my
2: mind, I'm trying to think of the best ladder matches I've seen over the last, let's say five years. And what comes to mind for me is uh, this match, um the the six man tag match or tag ladder match at supercard of Honor in New Orleans uh, from two thousand uh, uh, eighteen. So that's uh, I think that's Flip Gordon and the Young Bucks versus SEU, right? Yes, yeah. Um, I'm thinking about the North American ladder match at NXT uh, New, New Orleans. Orleans or NXT Takeover New Orleans. Um, and I think maybe hmm, maybe the was that Chicago when they did uh or no the Wasn't final battle. It?
0: The, it was sorry, like, it was like Briscoes, SCU, and the Bucks.
2: What what show was that? that? I think that was Final Battle last year. I didn't see that, you, so, so I can't okay. I can't speak on that one. Sorry. Uh, and I think maybe the other one I can only other one I can think of is like the uh, um was that Chicago uh, uh, DIY versus AOP mm-hmm. Chicago? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So like those are the ones that come to mind for me as far as like the best male match I've seen in the last five years. Uh, all those matches you can look give you whatever you want to give them. Whatever, they're great in their carnage. I mean, I may you might want to give a shout out to like WrestleMania 32's intercontinental ladder match. Um, but for the most part, like uh, that's probably behind. But for the time, anyway, that at the time when you're watching, that's probably this. But as far as what stacks up, if I go back to rewatch it, those are the ones that probably come to mind for me as the best white match last five years for me that I've seen so. I thought it was a great match. Um, I thought that they did stuff that is absolutely insane. I uh, was a Nick Jackson that felt that basically got tipped over at the end, and then basically got caught up in the ropes and ended up like falling through the table, like similar to Seth Rollins and his first match at the TLC for the Shield, yes, with his team Hell No and Ryback. Yeah, so yeah, let's see how he's doing. Um, so I I thought it was a great match and I hope they never do it again because I want to see these dudes wrestle for longer than, you know, (laughs) tomorrow. Uh,
0: one day we will get the Nick Jackson, uh, singles run and it's going to be electric and glorious and hopefully uh, he can, uh, wear the headband, uh, to, to maintain his youth. Um, (laughs)
2: Um, he needs needs to go holler at Jericho.
0: (laughs) Um, and speaking of Chris Jericho, the main event, uh, Lucha Bros got the win. By the way, uh, presumably ending that feud, uh, one would think that would be the time to uh, wrap that up. And LAX
1: showed up. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
2: what, what, what do y'all think about that? What do y'all feel about that? Uh, because I, I thought after you have an absolute total war like that, like I don't. It's cool that they. It's cool that they came out and announced themselves being there, similar to like Orange Cassidy making his appearance, but after you have absolutely war like that i almost feel like it's you're kind of taking away from the war you just saw to have people just come out and clear the house with these two exhaust people like what did you prove other than say like we're here like you could have done that but i feel like the impact is still the same as if you just show up and go face to face with them and just just make announcements that like we're here now and like you two are the standard bearers and like we think we're on that level by just showing up and like getting the visual of seeing all three teams yeah. together as opposed to just beating the hell out of them after them having that all the time, having a classic like that. I just felt like it if took they away. Stand
0: out on, if they stood out on the um, apron and just like pointed at him or the the stage and just like pointed at him like we're here, you could do either one. Um, th- For me, that would have been, this was out of the school of Terry Funk beating Ric Flair's ass after he got done with Ricky Steamboat. Like this is right. like the same uh, <laughs> kind of thing for me. So. Okay.
1: A lesser okay. tag team probably would have made me feel a lot, um, a lot more like you on that. Gotcha. I love LAX though. I think I'll, that's.
2: I, I look. I've seen them have the Sun versus match. The only match I've seen them have. I thought it was incredible. So I don't. I don't have a. It's just more of a like I, I feel like either you do the visual and then you kind of build anticipation for their programs later as opposed to they just clear, lay roughshod over these people they just were absolutely empty
1: you know if it's the uh, dark I order i feel different <laughs> <laughs> yeah man somebody need to can bring you
2: imagine, can you imagine the dark order had did that well, oh, somebody
0: need to bring my dog evil uno to the, to the seamstress like we got, we got to get that man some new gear well, i think that's half the problem like the gear is atrocious the the minions, send the is minions the real, away. Is weird? S- send them away. Like don't like lock them in a room. I, I don't care. There's a couple ways to fix the Dark Order, but they gonna have to think real hard about it. It's all the aesthetic because it's coming up real short. Like they need to turn like, and, and I think this is um another case where they're in the middle with something. It's like go even fucking hokier with it. Like, like give them, like, a Dungeon of Doom-style backstory or something, or where they come from. Like, explain James something. James Mitchell out
1: there to cut promos or something. Yes. You know,
0: you know get, get Kevin Sullivan on the phone and, 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 like, you know, show him anointing them as the next evil motherfuckers or something. I don't know. Like... Um, But yeah, main event time, uh, it was Jericho versus Hangman Adam Page, came out on the horse, I lost my motherfucking mind uh, when he came out on the horse, because I sat on this podcast for weeks and demanded it, and they did it, and I loved it, (laughs) and I was just like, oh my god, put the belt on him, Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, full discount double check, uh, you know, waist motion uh, with the belt, didn't come to be, but I I, I think these guys had an Excellent main event. And it was something it seemed like they put um, a lot of thought into because we know what, like, if we know what the story is, right, about this, I think they know what the story is, too. Like, they knew Hangman Page was coming in here not hot. They knew Hangman Page had been compromised in the booking ahead of time because that's what the promos were about, essentially, like, you know, uh, with Page. And, you know, what he he did, like, I felt like during the match there was this portion to where Paige got real aggressive with the uh, opening up Jericho, essentially. And it was almost, it felt like they were teasing a double turn, didn't go through all the way, but that, I think, got people into the match. And Jericho getting the sympathy, it was like, okay, I really dug what they did there.
1: Mixed feelings, personally. I think that the the whole presentation was great. The coming out on a horse immediately made that guy look like a superstar, and he needed it because there are some people I've talked to leading up to this event, and we've had obviously three months to talk about is is Adam Page really does he belong in this spot? I mean, it doesn't really seem like he's. Yeah, he seems like he's one of the fringe members of the elite, not an elite member of the elite. So I mean, is this is this guy really ready for this? He's a little humiliated. You know, I hadn't seen him. Um, So you know, sticking with that NBA analogy struck me as the type of guy who was, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, even if he ends up being like a Kawhi, then he this is this is rookie year Kawhi, this is second year Kawhi. this is pre-finals mvp Kawhi. this is not a guy who's ready for to share the stage with one of the greatest of all time and be hyped up ahead of time for it if he comes out of nowhere to do it that's one thing at this stage but to be hyped up for three months as the guy who's going to face chris jericho for the championship that was bold so they nailed the presentation. There was a lot they had to get right with that. I thought Adam Page really worked his butt off. I think that this was comfortably the best regular wrestling match that Chris Jericho has had in a long time that didn't rely on having to break tables and use furniture. and um, and, and, and he, This was a more traditional style of pro wrestling match for Chris Jericho. This wasn't the type of thing that relied on the same kind of brawling that he used so almost exclusively against Okada in the main event of Dominion. It wasn't the type of match that he had with Kenny Omega. I like what Rich said about the, the, the thought that was put into it because I think that not only was that thought evident in some of the booking decisions, but it was made evident in some of the sequencing choices. This reminded me a lot more of Chris Jericho's match with CM Punk a few years ago than it did anything we've seen from him recently. Jericho, particularly the WrestleMania match where, I mean, it wasn't perfect um, or or even the one that he had in Chicago the the next year, just that kind of dynamic where you can see Chris Jericho's not the same athletically as he once was, and he can't pull off as crisply as he used to. Some of the, 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 the niftier sequences that were once upon a time a hallmark of his game. But it was a vintage performance in some ways from him, and I thought Adam Page stepped up to the plate and delivered. And I was right there with Rich. when he I saw that tweet last week about the horse, and I think I responded to it, Yes! that is. I want to <laughs> see that. Give me the horse. <laughs> yes. And so when he comes out there on the horse, my, my opinion, I shared this on my podcast last night, I said as soon as he came out on that horse, I immediately thought, my mind has changed. I want Adam Page to yes. win the title. Put the belt on Adam Page. Jericho's an old guy. We don't need it on him. So my, my, my opinion flipped. So, so I, I found myself actively rooting for Adam Page to win the match. And no, and he did not. I think it was the right call for him not to win the match. Yeah. I think it was the right call not to put the belt on him. But I, I, I do I think he was made in defeat? I don't know that I'd go that far. But I do think that he definitely showed that if he can get the character stuff right in the coming years, it won't take him two and a half to three years to be a major player for this company. He can be a major player faster than that. I think it's, it's all about the follow-up now. It's about establishing that character. He's done what he needed to do. He had a great match in the main event. There were, a little, there were some spots in it that I thought were shaky, but this is the part I really emphasized on my podcast. By the time they hit the climax, by those final five minutes, I People was all ready. in on this match. It, I thought that they could have shaved off five minutes off the middle portion. Again, I don't think this match needed to be 26 minutes long. Just because you're on last doesn't mean you have to go long. Where in the rule book does it say that? I mean, my goodness gracious, you can have – a match that goes 20 minutes that feels like 25 or 30. That's what Shawn Michaels did so well back in the day. That's what Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit did in their classic match at the Royal Rumble 2003. That match was not even 20 minutes long, and people called it a five-star classic. Some matches just don't need to be that long. I don't think this one needed to be that long. I think it could have been nice, tight 20 minutes, and it would have been better for it. That said... Um, Four star match, definitely on the fringes of that, I think. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. I think everybody did well. Now it's now now come the questions, though. But we'll get to those. Match yeah. wise, though, well done. Not 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 all time great. Not necessarily even what I want to see from AEW in a pay per view main event. But for what it needed to be, Adam Page delivered a heck of a performance. Chris Jericho held up his end of the bargain with a vintage type performance. I've 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 come around to it more that I'm now that I'm not exhausted. James. We'll okay. Like this
2: one? So, um, if you just bear with me real quick, I will okay. So, In my hand, I have a book called The Greatest Matches and Rivalries of the WrestleMania Era, and it was authored by uh, a guy named the Doc Chad Matthews, (laughs) if you can see here. Okay, um, I'm going to slip through here. Let's see. uh, 300 and 400 and let's see. What's the last page? Four hundred twenty-five page, uh, pages is is his book. and It goes over all the greatest matches of the Rose era, as it says on the on the uh, title of the book. Um, for to hear Chad Matthews say that he was fully influenced by the fact that a dude that w- was presented as a dude that has no business being in the main event, showing up in the, on a damn horse, changes mind on the fact that he should be the champion, boggles the mind. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, in the moment, in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a horse. Uh, that's unique shit. My man. only, my only thing was the horse should have been white.
2: To- the horse should have been white. Uh, uh, it, uh, it, uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> whatever. Whatever. I uh, okay. I like the match. Um, I thought it was a match that's somewhere between three and three quarters and in, in uh, four stars. Uh, um. I, I, I thought that Jericho did a lot of great work between the moves, uh, to try to get over whatever you're trying to get over at the time. Um he was at the beginning he was trying to show that he was still a cocky badass, and he and we kinda got um to an extent between him doing the display of the abs of the of the fifty year old dad abs in uh in bringing the bell, like we kinda got New Japan brawler Jericho at times while actually doing a straight match. Um I just – it's just something – I feel like there's just something, nothing for me when it comes to Adam Page. It's just like – I understand that he's very good. I don't see I, – I don't see anything that says great about him. Um, and even and even him coming on the horse, that didn't do it for me either. And, uh, and I'm not saying this is necessarily all his fault because as as much as I feel like there's something lacking there – a lot of that can be explained by what AEW did as far as getting him to this getting him to this point anyway so far, um, over the three or four months that uh, AEW's been around. So, but I thought it was a good match. I think that it was it it would have been a better match had to not just follow like the 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 spot porn of all spot porn fests. So um but overall, I mean I felt like it, it the the closing shot of Jericho on the stage with the belt Doing the wink or the smiley face, or whatever it was, as they go to black, I, I feel like that is, I feel like that is that was the appropriate thing that uh, pretty much the only thing they, they could have done. in with and you know with blood on his face, I feel like it's going to be a great visual for time and history. And if this if this thing this thing lasts for you know 5, 10, 15, 20 years, like uh, they will have set you know from the time of the championship, they have set the right tone by having Jericho start out as their inaugural champion
0: for me uh and I put this on Twitter and a lot of people are <clears throat> coming around on it Chris Jericho's buddy Rogers here and right. remember this is a new promotion this right. is Nineteen. This might as well be nineteen sixty three for the WWE, right? <laughs> so, they, and you know what they did in nineteen sixty three? They they grabbed this guy named Buddy Rogers, and there's a complicated story behind it all. Rogers was a long time <laughs> draw in New York. Vince split from the NWA. He said his champion was one guy, but obviously his second champion was Bruno San Martino, right? And then the thing is your first champion establishing in this new promotion, it doesn't really matter. What matters about that champion is, are they recognizable? (laughs) Are they someone that is a star? Is there is it someone that's a legend uh, in Jericho? That's, that's a bonus point. And now who beats that legend for that title? That will be the, um, you know, the fall to, you know, however long Jericho has his belt. That will be the story of AEW. who is going to be the next champion. And that, I look for that person to uh, be the cornerstone star uh, for you know the next amount of months and possibly you know other promotion going for years to come. I don't know who it is yet because they have got a lot of people like circling around. Like you would think Kenny's the ace, but they're doing some story with him where he's not near the belt right now. Cody, you could send him in that direction. as he's never lost a singles match in AW, but I still think there's questions to be answered um, with him. Then there's Pac that's around and you know, you gotta you already got one heel in there, so we gotta figure out when he gets his time. Moxley. You gotta mention Moxley. You have to mention Moxley. You do. And then I think the only thing you wanna established is more of his time in AEW first. So, right, right,
2: right. I'm just saying, like, you mentioned, like, the the top – you're mentioning people in the top five, but you've got the fifth – or at least one of the five people. That's all. That's why I say
0: you got to mention myself. my – My fault. Dan Mercer, you know, just took him <laughs> on the show. I forgot him, you know? Like, so oh, – um, But, yeah, like, as, as I mentioned, Chris Jericho is Buddy Rogers. It matters who beats him. So – that's my just, that's my take on it. They
1: have to also follow through with the other part of that, though, which is that Buddy Rogers was only the champion for like two months. Uh, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, Buddy Rogers was not long for the title. So, uh, that's the question, though. Is who? I mean, and, and I don't like this. Is where I say I go back to the mixed bag part of it. Is. Mm-hmm. I don't like Chris Jericho being the champion, man. I mean, I I get why he's the champion, but, I mean, again, this is a promotion that's trying to both establish itself as a viable option for a widespread television audience, but it's also catering directly to a fan base that is god-awfully tired of seeing these old guys come in from the past and knock all the present guys back a couple of pegs, and I think they've put themselves in a tough spot. That tough spot is... Okay, Chris Jericho's the champion. He's going to have that big shiny beautiful belt on October the 2nd on TNT. And then what? Cuz that's the key. What's next? I I think in some ways the what's next thing is a disease we've picked up from WWE cuz we constantly need to know what's next cuz what's going on in the moment sucks. But <laughs> in AEW, you know, it we're talking about something that has the ability to build something Week to week, that's very compelling, and to make it a wrestling show, uh, uh, you know, a, a TV show about wrestling again, instead of just a, a show that happens to be on TV. So Chris Jericho is champion leads to a match with Cody. I mean, okay, cool. I mean, but if that's the case, let's get there. Let's get the belt on Cody, and let's move into the next phase in history. If you're going to put it on Moxley, let's do the same. I think this can't be a long... I mean, I don't even personally want to see Jericho be the champion through the end of the year, because I'm a little overexposed to Jericho, having picked up the, the NJPW viewing over the last nine months. I've seen about as much of Chris Jericho matches as I care to at this point in time. So, I don't know. None of the options opposite Jericho really excites me. There's not a Jericho match I'm anxious to see. So, I'm anxious to see Chris Jericho play his part and move on from the main event scene because it's not a spot I really care to see him I want to see AEW have a shining sparkling main event scene there's a lot of guys that could be in that mix the fact that Jericho is in that mix makes me feel a little ho-hum about the AEW title picture for right now
0: yeah so um the only thing I can say on that is well they weren't going to bring Chris Jericho and wait on him because we don't know how much longer he's going to hold up or, you know, he's, he's 48. So I don't know if it was a smart thing to go two years and then put it on him or something like that. They, I think, you know, the prevailing thought and and I'm with you on that because AEW has built itself like, Hey, it doesn't need to be that this is just conventional thinking of, of, Things that we've been told that we don't necessarily have proof for, but it sounds good. Like, you need a recognizable name. You need someone that's been, you know, like, this is all stuff we've been told. But it's wrestling. You can do whatever you want. I think Jericho's a good option because if someone can beat Jericho, that's where, you know, you, know, you, you, you go ahead and go forward with it.
2: James, you're muted. I believe they absolutely need Jericho on the roster, but as far as being the champion, yeah, I'm not. You know, I'm not really. Uh, they, they, I could take it or leave it. I don't really. I don't really care one way or the other. Um, if, he can, if he can, still give us really good matches. Um, it's just the thing is, uh, you know, I I, I tend to. I, I'm a little less like. I think that. He should he should uh have a have the title for like the next, you know, maybe at the end of the year is when he comes off of it. But you need to right now like focus on be laser focused on whether it's Pac or it's Kenny or it's Cody or it's Moxley. You need to be laser focused on who's gonna be the only person that, that we set up a big match for it. He takes a belt that takes the belt off of Jericho and then we have Jericho fight the rest of those other uh those other three guys after that and then go from there. Um I just you know I feel like a lot of that is a push towards all right, well we got the we got, we're trying to get people to watch this thing and people know Jericho and if he's a champion people will, will be into watching the T V because he's a champion and Jericho's one of the greats. I think I think I really believe that's they're thinking on it. Um but does that mean he's be champion forever? No. Like you, you can only I feel like you go on the T V, you give it a few months and then you can go for move on to what you're really trying to do.
0: Yeah. Uh, overall I think all out I don't think you can call this anything but like a success as a show like they established a lot there's you know stuff in the fallout uh, if you guys didn't see Chris Jericho walking through the back after he won the championship just cutting promos on random people hanging around clowning on the bucks so like, what's wrong young bucks like you know it, it It was an all-time Jericho performance. He was spraying champagne around by himself, uh, spraying it on uh, people. If you look hard enough, you can find it on Twitter. But um, that was really cool to check out. Uh, But, yeah, I'm excited to see, you know, AW going forward on TNT. And I think All Out was a great show. And this is going to be an annual thing, it sounds like, in Chicago, Labor Day. And they're going back to Chicago the night before Thanksgiving. So this is a a home area for those guys. So
2: um, I don't think they killed the town. So, <laughs> um, one thing I will say is like now that they're going to get TV, like a lot of the stuff that we're talking about as far as like they haven't been able to properly do X, Y, or Z. Like there will be once they start getting TV and have two hours of film, there will no longer be excuse of they only have a short amount of time to get from station to station. They will have they will have a well, weekly station to station to get to to get this shit accomplished for to build up towards the next big thing they're going to do. So like soon they're going to start answering some questions. And I hope they're ready. Chad,
0: any final thoughts on um like the uh, show overall
1: overall i think uh i can best sum it up is it was a great wrestling show that lacked that really lacked that emotional punch that its predecessors had and you know obviously you can't expect every one of these shows to to pack that emotional punch but uh you know it did what it needed to do it was a great wrestling show it left a lot of questions on the table the only thing i can hope that it, that we get to on TNT is 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 some satisfying answers
0: for sure man uh, so that's going to wrap up the show i want to thank chad for coming on chad let uh, everyone know where they can follow you at
1: you can follow me at the doc lop on twitter you can listen to my podcast the doc says on the chairshot radio network And the book that James mentioned, The Greatest Matches and Rivalries of the WrestleMania Era, is now available in audiobook format. You can get it on iTunes. You can order it on Audible. You can order it straight through Amazon. Uh, So check that out. If you will, if you want to just tweet at the Doc LOP, I'll actually give you a couple of promo codes. I'll I'll pass those out individually. So if you want them, hit me up and and we'll get them to you. So, yeah, and I had a great time being on the show, as always, guys. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, yeah, man. Um, James, any anything before we get up out of here?
2: No, saw a lot of wrestling, and I'm going to, I guess, finish the day out by actually getting around to the Stardom Show um, from last week that I didn't see. Hopefully, these uh, subtitles aren't crappy, but yeah, a lot of wrestling, a lot of good wrestling, just, you know, just a lot of it in you got to I'm going to go back and go over like the top matches or whatever else and try to you know think more about what's going on but you know my brain's kind of scrambled right now because there's so much stuff i had to watch
0: <laughs> make sure you guys are rating and review us on itunes uh and everything where else you wherever you listen to uh the podcast one nation radio on sundays tuesdays we got keeping it strong style wednesdays we've got the ricky and clive wrestling show as well as girl man watches shit every other week we've got getting the ring as well as danny's chop shop and all things elite so make sure you guys are keeping it locked we are up out of here
1: Later.